All right, wind against tiders. We are back in studio. If I'm looking a little bit flushed, it's because Joey and I have just been setting up uh, his uh, fish tank room. <laughs> his room with a big fish tank in it behind us. Um, so these are our new characters for the show, as you can see. They are um, chicklids, cichlids. Yeah, they're actually uh, <laughs> fish that we love and nurture and take care of, not ones that are dangling normally on the end of the line. So, yeah, welcome to our pod studio. And that's my African cichlid tank. But we are so uh, thrilled to be back. Um, big, big show today. Um, Dave has organised some um, fantastic guests to join us on the chat. Um, we're going to talk all things fishing um, up and down the coast. That's right. Yeah, we've got a few uh, phone-in guests happening this week. Uh, we're looking at getting Richie O'Bella on um, and we're going to have Simon Webster on and we're going to have Will from Always Angling into Relgan. He's going to have a quick chat to us, Joey. Um, must apologise to everyone. We said we were going to start a little bit earlier, but um, nonetheless, here we are. Now, it's been a long period of no recording, probably the longest we've ever gone. And we are a weekly podcast and we try to be weekly. But, um, a few updates in our world. Uh, as you can see, Adrian is no longer with us, so um, he's decided to go and do his own thing. Uh, he's got a, a YouTube channel there, Superficial, so you can jump on there and see what Adrian's up to there. But he is no longer jumping on the podcast with us. Maybe down the track he'll come on as a guest again, but he just had a bit much going on in his life. And uh, if you want to keep up with what he's doing, jump on and follow Superficial. So Joe and I will endeavour to push on. Uh, being a busy musician and everything, Joe may not make it every week, so I might need some of you guys out there to give me a chop out, being being our guests. Um, but, yeah, we're going to push on with the show. And we did think long and hard about maybe finishing up but you know what the feedback we get from people that love the show pushed us to keep going um you know it really does make some people's week they listen to it in the car or they walk while they, while they're working or they join us on the live feed so um with that feedback we were getting there's no way we could stop so we are currently rebuilding and we will be back to full strength very soon but we couldn't leave it any longer before we got the podcast firing away What's happening in your world, Joey? Well, uh, look, we've we've had some um, fantastic fishing um, in the last uh, yeah last couple of trips. Um, gee, those uh, local Western Port tuna have just been absolutely hot to trot um, on the on the surface. Um, yeah, Dave, like <laughs> seriously, absolutely. Yeah, we went out. Um, we've been out a few times in the last few weeks. I mean, it's it's pretty common knowledge that um, the summer on a bluefin is in full swing off Western Port and Port Phillip. Uh, really solid fish as usual. Um, you know, it's just a thing we have in Victoria now. It's world-class fishing. We put a video out a couple of weeks ago. Um, glad a few people enjoyed that one and I'm editing up another one at the moment. Uh, other than that, there's been, you know, some really good kingfish fishing happening in Western Port and um, along the coast. Uh, a bit of exciting stuff happening in the kingfish world at, at the moment. Um, there's a bit of a effort going into doing some scientific research into our uh, Victorian kingfish show. Down the track, we are going to get uh, Jason Taylor, who's heavily involved in that, on, and he's going to tell us the who, what's, why's, when's and how's of that uh, program that's running. Excellent. Dave, I reckon... I reckon we might uh, throw to our um, our first phone guest. We'll uh, we'll strike him up. Yeah, no. Who are we who are we going with first, Joey? 
Oh, I tell you what, I, I would uh, love to absolutely get an update on the East Coast marlin at the moment because there's been some good marlin fishing uh, up the South New South Wales coast in the last couple of weeks. Don't mind me, I'm just dialing marlin lord Richie Abella. Hi, you've called Richard Abella <laughs> from Dreamcatcher 2. <laughs> oh, um, no. All right. That's all right, he'll call back. <laughs> that's all right. We'll give him another call in about five minutes. I've got to say that was probably my fault. We were supposed to be live at 7 o'clock and um, we had it all set up, ready to go and uh, went to hit the record button and um, somehow we'd switched to the wrong uh, live stream camera. So we panicked and had to restart everything again. So our timing's been thrown out and as such we've probably thrown our guests' timing out. But, um, yeah, we'll give Richie another try in a minute. Um, we might give a man who has his finger on the pulse with the fishing down in Gippsland Way a try, Joey, see if he's going to pick up. We've got Will from Always Angling. I'll give him a call right now. Hello. Will, how you going, mate? Good, mate. Thank God you've picked up because we just got absolutely barred by uh, Richie Arbella. So, <laughs> oh, did you know? He's probably too busy catching marlin. Yeah, I reckon he might be. Uh, welcome, aboard <laughs> Wind Against, welcome aboard Wind Against Tide, Will. And it uh, seemed like a good good time to be getting you on the show and uh, getting a little bit of an update of the fishing that's happening down your way. Did you want to tell us what's biting in your neck of the woods? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably the biggest thing on the scene has been the uh, tuna, same as uh, down your way too, guys. But, yeah, they've turned up to that sort of our whole South Gippsland area. So, you know, um, off Walshpool, off Port Albert, especially off Port Albert, um, that 20 to 30 metre line's just got schools of tuna all along it. So it's been unbelievable fishing, best fishing. Probably one of the best seasons I've ever seen, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, have you... You obviously haven't seen them in numbers like this down there before. Um, the last few seasons, I think you've had a you know a handful of bluefin captures down there. But have you seen like these these massive schools like what what we've had down our way for a few years? Have you seen them coming through in the past, or is this just starting starting to develop for you guys? Yeah, that's a it's a question we're all asking ourselves really <laughs> every day in the shop. We're talking about it. Um, look, we've definitely had them for the last few years. Not nothing like this. Yeah. Um, I don't think, unless they've just been right under our noses and we haven't noticed, but I, I doubt that. Um, this seems to be something a little bit more special. Um, they just they just seem to be spread uh, all along the coastline, you know, even, you know, essentially down to the 90-mile beach, you know, obviously not in close but out wide, but, you know, they seem to be all along the coast in that sort of 20 to 30-metre line. Some days they're out a little bit deeper. Some days they're out at 40, but... Yep. Um, they're definitely all along it. So, yeah, it seems to be more this year. So hopefully this is just a taste of what's a permanent thing. That'd be good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's they sort of did, did seem to just show up down our way one year and it's happened um, every year since. So I reckon you could be in for um, for a, a long fishery. And is it being a tackle store owner, um, I don't know if you want to give yourself a plug there and uh, tell everyone where you are and what your store's called, but... Um, are you seeing a, a hell of a lot of uh, different game fishing gear going out the door to what you might have seen in the past? Yeah, just in the last, uh, probably well, since Christmas, the the game gear's been going pretty good. But in that like February, just the last four weeks, um, stacks of lures um, down our way. A lot of guys are using Halcos, uh, same as your way. What yep. I'm talking about, they're like the new <laughs> pop culture of 
fishing as the other Helco King Brown. So um, I, I, thought it was, every... I thought it was mutual friends, uh, Mitch Chapman's uh, pop queens that were the, all the rage these days. Well, that you got to be a top water specialist to, <laughs> to use those. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're they're another good one. Yeah, if you want to use the old uh, the poppers on the tuna, yeah, they're the one to get for sure. Yeah, awesome. Um, but yeah, so definitely selling a lot of lures, a lot of a lot of small skirts. Like we're using um, small sort of four to five inch skirts as well. Um, they're pretty much just as good as the the divers. I guess the divers have a little bit of an advantage that if the fish are down deep, if you're just seeing mutton birds and stuff like that, you control the divers through the mutton birds and you tend to not hook them. Whereas if you drag a skirt yeah. through muttons, you know, what can happen? Um, uh, we may not discuss so, that one too much um, in case uh, there's any mutton, mutton lovers on the airways. Um, <laughs> but it is an unfortunate part of uh, our local fisheries. The, uh, the the muttons can get in the way, but they also, they're very helpful in telling us exactly where the fish are, aren't they? They're the greatest thing ever invented. I used to hate them, now I love them. But yeah, they're, yeah. Um, yeah what will we do without the birds? You just, you, you wouldn't catch a thing. Oh, mate, I reckon, yeah, that, yeah. I reckon <laughs> it would make it a lot more difficult. Now, uh, another thing that um, your neck of the woods is pretty uh, well known for or has become well known for is the kingfish. Um, how's how's yep. that fishing been going? Have people still been on the kingfish or they got tuna fever? It, yeah, isn't it amazing that we're not talking about kingfish straight yeah. up? Yeah, that's that's how much they've they've just they're just second place at the moment to the tuna because we're just so not that much used to it down our way. But yeah, look, the kingies are still going crazy. Just the the tuna of uh, they've just all the talk, so not many people are talking kingies, but stacks of kingies. So just all the usual spots. So if you go offshore, out around the islands and stuff like that, there's still kingies there. Look, they'll hang around till. Oh, at least April they do every year. Yep. Um, some some days we can have really except uh, some years I should say we can have exceptional years that for some reason they stay around a lot longer. Like I've caught them like well what the end of June. I think we might add one year we got them in July. I was pretty sure we did. Um, but yeah, I'll bet. So you, you can get them in pretty. You can get them in cold water. Yeah. We, like as long as you're getting 14 degrees, they're, they're, I'll, I'll nearly put money that they're still there. Um, but yeah, under 14 degrees. Yeah. Then it's like, uh, I don't know if they're here anymore. So yeah. that'll last a while, but, um, yeah, look, heaps of rats out there at the moment. There's a few, uh, there's a few schools that are sort of those 65s to 70s. And then the better fish that we're getting, are low eighties. Yeah, so right, I haven't yeah. heard of too many meteries um, recently. They all seem to be early in the season. But, um, yeah, so plenty of, you know, 60 to 80 centimetre fish around. Uh, jigs is the main thing. So if you get some knife jigs, 150 grams if it's a nice day. Go to 200 grams if it's a bit of an ordinary uh, ordinary day and you've got a bit of drift, go a bit heavier. Um, and then if you get, yeah, you might see some schools milling as well. They're similar to the tuna, so you can chuck poppers. Those pop queens are really good on them as well. Um, so yeah, you can, you can do that. If you, if you see any birds flying around, there might be some kingies under them out there. So that's definitely something to do at the moment. What, what would your tips be for extracting the larger fish amongst, um, the hordes of hungry rat kingfish down there? <laughs> yeah. Um, probably, uh, probably squid or liveys, I reckon. Yep. That ten that tends to get the bigger fish. That's definitely not saying that you don't get big ones on jigs. You do. But as you said, the problem is you've got to get through, all those smaller ones and a lot of the time they'll take the jig first and then you just might get lucky and you, you pull a meter in on a jig as well. But I think if you use liveys or troll squid, so whether you want to do whole, like whole Californian squid or get uh, big squid strips, um, 
and slow troll them, you probably got a better chance of getting a big fish, I reckon. Yeah. Um, the top water's the same too. The top water seems to pull real big fish. Yeah, so right. you don't get as many. Yeah, you don't get as many. Um, it can be a lot of casts. So it can be similar to like or what I'd imagine like GT fishing up north. Um, but if you get one, especially if you're chucking a decent sized popper around, it'll probably be a cracking fish. So that's another option you can do as well. Yeah, that's um, – yeah, personally I've also found that a little bit in the past. Like generally when you have the small fish, there's always big fish with them, but it's just a matter of trying to get through the smaller ones and get the biggest ones to eat because um, I'm sure like you'd be the same. You, you always see much bigger fish than the ones you eventually end up catching. 100%. You always say, oh, look at the ones at the bottom. They're way bigger. <laughs> yeah. And talking to diving mates, that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, you, yeah, you the higher patch of fish will be the smaller ones and then there's 20, 20 plus kilo fish sitting on – they're the smart ones that are sitting down deep and sort of being a little bit more choosy about when they um, expose themselves. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah, – Yeah, I don't think those are as easy to catch as the small ones. That's for sure. No, no, very difficult. Um, any other fishing that's happening down your way that's uh, worthy of a mention? The bo- bottom bashing yeah. is normally pretty consistent out that way. 100%. I was just going to get to that. So if you pelagics aren't your thing, um, the gummy fishing at the moment is extraordinary. Um, the last two to three weeks, seen heaps of 20-plus kilo uh, gummies caught, and that's just guys either well, anchoring or drifting. Again, it depends on the weather. Um, if it's a beautiful day, which we don't get that many of down our way, no. it's always uh, it's a pretty rough bit of water. Yep. Um, we always say that the wind is generated from the prom. So um, to get those glass out days is few and far between. But if you do get a nice day, then you can drift. But, you know, if it's if you're drifting too far, you either got to use a sea anchor or, or, or anchor. Um, but aside that, yeah, some really big gummies around, some in close, like some, these are offshore too, by the way, I should say. So these yep. are guys that are still fishing outside, but um, some will be in as shallow as, you know, nine, 10 meters, which isn't very far out from the land at all. And then yeah, there'll right. be guys just on, on the standard, what we call like, like the little patches of reef uh, that we have out there. They're generally around that sort of uh, 20 meter mark. Um, there's plenty of gummies around there too. So that's a good option at the moment. Some really big gummies being caught in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, you'll always get your feet a flathead too. If you just want to go out and do a drift in 22 metres, 24 metres, you can guarantee you get a, a stack of flatties, just chuck on a snapper snatcher or something like that and some bits of pilly, bits of squid and just do a drift. You'll get a heap of them. That's no good um, for the, um, the ego Instagram photos though. That's like they taste good, but how do you make them impressive? Well, that's what you, that's the photo you put up when you don't catch anything decent. <laughs> nah, I shouldn't say that. Good feet of flatties, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Will, uh, it's Joey here. Thanks for coming on. And I've heard that flathead... Hey, Joey. <laughs> I've heard that uh, with flathead, uh, you can actually catch flathead with flathead. You ever done that? Um, You're not supposed the... to. Yeah, you are. <laughs> as long as they're legal size, Joey. I think you can. You're allowed to <laughs> do with that flooded what you want. I think. All right, we are definitely back on air because Joe's flummoxing people with some very interesting questions. No, I have a uh, no, good old Peter Ferguson who does a lot of uh, fishing down at uh, Welsh Pool. He taught me that one. Yep. Um, I was literally fishing one of these days. It was uh, side by side with him um, out offshore there uh, off Welsh Pool, and he was absolutely hosing me on catching the flathead. 
And he said, what are, you, what are you using for bait? I said, I don't know, just some old Californian squid. He said, how about try some flathead? And, um, yeah, <laughs> by goodness, he really showed me how to catch flathead that day. Well, they are, they are quite... Oh, there you can- go. There's, there's a hot tip. Yes, they are quite cannibalistic. And uh, flathead stays on the hook quite well as well, Joe. So I think that's why it's uh, a favourite of the flathead fishermen. Well, this I've said it in previous podcasts. I think the reason why uh, flathead is such a tasty fish is they've got such a varied diet. Like, they just eat... Uh, crabs, worms, other fish. Like maybe that's why the meat tastes so good, Dave. That's what I'm going to put it down to. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I reckon that's a good theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will, we won't take up nah, too much. Flatty, flatty is pretty good bait, though. It's, you, you catch other things, you'll get snapper on it. Like if you, I think just the fact that fresh bait yeah, is um, it's probably a good, good tip to tell people too. Yeah, maybe if they're not catching anything on frozen bait that's been rethawed five times or whatever from the freezer if you do catch a fish and you're not that desperate to take it home maybe try put it on no matter what it is the old fresh fish i think you can't beat it as bait absolutely well it's um that's probably no good for your tackle store buy frozen bait ever um, <laughs> now see my bait isn't being uh thawed out five times and refrozen so uh, mine's good stuff so it's all good oh very good um yeah, we know people that prefer the. Uh, have you? Do you offer a, a refreezing service? Because some people prefer those old uh, stinky baits. It's a, it's a bit of a theory some people have. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> just, just turn that freezer off and on a few times. No, but um, thanks, thanks very much for your time. Well, we won't keep you for too long. Um, but if you want to tell people where you're located there in Terrellgan, I've heard you've got a very well stocked shop for people to top to pop past. Yeah, cheers, guys. Look, it's always angling in Terralgan. So we're located on Church Street in the CBD of Terralgan. So, yeah, if you come and pass, pop in and say good day. Thanks, mate. And uh, if you're happy to come on every now and then, it'd be great to have you as our Terralgan correspondent. Yeah, 100%. Just call me anytime, guys. I'm all good. Beautiful. See you later, Will. Have a good one. All right. Cheers, legends. See ya. There you go, Joey. There you go. uh, First one of our uh, phone reports that we're... Starting to bring into the show. What did you think of that one? Some uh, some appetising fishing happening yeah. in East Gippsland there for you. I'd love to get down the um, get down the coast, but it's um, it's isn't it just amazing how sort of both parts of, of Melbourne, sort of the central area and down the east coast, is having very much similar kind of fishing at the moment. Um, when we were out last week on the tuna, I think I said it on camera. Like we're just so used to uh, getting a few blokes in the car and taking a three or four hour trip down the coast, but we don't have to at the moment. There's there's kings and there's tuners uh, locally, but yeah. Which is great for me having a young family because I wouldn't be able to go otherwise. But now I can just duck out after lunch if I want to, go slam a bunch of tuna and uh, come back in again and uh, still in the good books and experiencing world-class fishing, which is um, really yeah. cool. It doesn't really get old, does it? No, absolutely not. But the thing that's um, interesting, like it, you don't even have to kill yourself and wake up first thing in the morning to go out on these uh, local pelagics. Like, uh, you know, quite comfortably, like Dave was just saying, you can launch at lunchtime and fish the afternoon session. And sometimes I've even found that the tuna come on even harder in the afternoon than, say, they might do in the morning. Look, every day can be different, but um, I've really been enjoying enjoying the afternoon delight. Um out of the, the local offshore waters of Western Port. Yeah. Um, speaking of all the flathead chat before, and um, I know we spoke about um, our good friend Mitch Chapman, who's the purveyor of fine fishing gears. Uh, I've got a bit of a tale for you, um, which 
Mitch was happy for me to uh, discuss on tonight's show. He had quite an insane fishing event happen to him when we were all our boats were out on the tuna on um, Friday morning, uh, and he sent me a message at night and he goes, "Have you ever seen anything like this?" So. I'm going to roll a video here, Joey, if you want to throw up to my computer. Now, um, yeah, we, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but um, we we might have uh, just the vision and not the audio. Yeah, we're going to go we no audio and we'll just talk our way through it because okay. Mitch has death metal playing in the background anyway. <laughs> but um, <laughs> kind of looks this. like the bass player from Corn, I reckon, with those uh, that hairstyle. Yeah, it's a bit wild. Uh, there's <laughs> been calls to remove that from podcast listeners actually, but um, he seems to stick with it. So he's hooked up to a nice bluefin on the popper here, um, as you can see. Oh, it's giving him grief. It is giving him grief. Um, you can see all the uh, mutton birds in the background. There you go. He's pulled the hook, oh. right? But he's still got weight. What's going on here? That's a flathead. No. That is a live flathead. That is insane. So, so, so what did the, did the tuna um, like – scrape its lure straight across the sea floor so and, and and pick it up no i don't think so i think what's happened here is he has the tuna has eaten a flathead and shot straight up and it's eaten mitch's popper and the hook from the popper has managed to catch the flathead that's in the tuna so it's been hooked on the flathead not the tuna and it's eventually just pulled out of the tuna's stomach Hmm. So no, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I reckon I've got a different theory. <laughs> I'm gonna challenge that. No, I reckon that the tuna has hit the popper top water, and maybe the flathead has been swimming mid water, and it's attacked the lure that the tuna was on. How about that? No, that sounds quite illogical and ridiculous if you ask me. So well, they're fish, mate. They can't swim up off the sea floor. You think there's a flathead swimming around mid-water pretending it's a... Maybe it's a flathead that identifies as a tuna, Joey. Yeah. We could really be breaking this down now. But um, a few yeah, different if, theories there. Yes. If anyone who is uh, watching tonight's show has anything crazier than that, I still half feel like Mitch is stitching me up here. I, I kind of don't believe it, but Mate, he has that, sent the video footage, so I have to believe him. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, you put, if, you're, if you're joining us on the live chat room, uh, put in the chat room what, how you think Mitch hooked the flathead while he was hooked onto the tuna at the same time. It'd be interesting to see what you guys think. That's right. Um, now, we do have everyone interacting on the live feed, so you've done actually well to find us, guys, because we put out some false links a bit earlier. <laughs> but uh, uh, One question coming in here that we'll just quickly address from James Hammond. Can you troll the tuna skirts around Cape Shank or Seal Rocks for kings, or is that a waste of time? Well, I personally tend to find that um, trolling lures around those areas generally are more likely to um, catch the smaller kingfish. So as Will was saying on the phone before, the big ones tend to eat more live. Well, more often than not, the big ones are going to eat a live bait over a, over a uh, imitation lure. So generally when you're trolling at tuna speed around these areas, uh, the fish that are probably going to hit your lures more often than not are the smaller size class. So... Uh, it definitely does work. I've caught kings at both those locations on um, tuna lures, but uh, generally quite small, um, you know, around legal and smaller. So 
What's happening there, Joe? You were getting me to unlock my phone for something. Yeah, no, that's all right. You can keep keep answering some questions, Dave. I'm just going to prime up our our right. telephone for our next guest. Oh, we're going to give Richie another call, are we? Yeah, yeah. Are um, we... Have we got any more questions there? No, but that's all right. Um, so hopefully we can get onto him this time. Um, I'll be very interested to hear about the fishing up the east coast with quite a pro- prolific marlin season happening at the moment. And we got Richie Abella on the line. Richie. Yeah, there we go. How are you guys? Sorry, hey, I'm having tech issues here. Oh, so are we, mate. Apologies for the false start before. We just thought we'd call you up and follow up on uh, how your marlin season's been going so far. Last time we spoke to you, you were getting ready to head up the coast. It started and and was going with an absolute bang. Like I, my first my first stint, sort of like in that good weather and bookings and and whatnot that we did. We did. Um, we only had two downtime down days where you know the weather sort of forced us to stay on shore, and I think we fished. Oh, it would have been a dozen days straight, and we we caught anything between one and six or seven fish every day. We didn't miss one day. Crazy. Um, that has yeah, it was off its head, like you know, and and mate, we were getting a mixture of blacks. We even got a really really nice blue for a client. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, we came dangerously close that day. We should have caught a grand slam, but we blew, we blew two blacks in the morning. They're a double header on blacks that both fell off, and um, and we got a few stripes, and then we caught this blue. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> wish we had a caught those blacks. You know, like it's, it's not an easy thing to get an East Coast grand slam, and um, we we stayed out to the side out. Couldn't buy a black. Honestly, I'm just looking around. Come on, man, we need the black. One black. And couldn't buy one. Went out the next day and hooked eight of the freaking things. Oh, my God. That's always the way. Like, so, so for people that aren't aware, a Grand Slam is one of – so is it three of any marlin species or is it – That is yep. correct. Three of any billfish species. So it can yep. be sailfish, striped marlin, blue marlin or spearfish. I had a Grand Slam years ago in Portsmouth. It was where I got a spearfish, a black marlin and a striped marlin. Um, you know, I've missed out on the black blue stripe one so many times just by a feather, but anyway. Yeah, and I'm guessing the further north you go, the more common they become because um, generally we don't get a mix of all those three fish in very big numbers down our way. That's correct. It, it, it's more of a possibility. Like I've come close a few times in Port Stephens where we've we've hooked that fish that we need but we didn't catch it yep. and that's the, that was the – happened to us in Naruma that day. Like, you know, to get one off Naruma would have been absolutely awesome, but we didn't we didn't pull it off. Yeah. So so how's the, the bite developing at the moment? If you were to head back up, because I believe you're coming home for a short break, if you were to head back up tomorrow, what stretch of water would you be targeting? Uh, you want my honest opinion? I sure do. <laughs> my, my, honest, my honest opinion would be to stay home at the moment. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we will. So, the weather the weather is very, very crappy. And the thing we got going at the moment, which I can't – if I've ever seen it before, I can't remember when. I've probably seen it up in Port Stephens a couple of times back years and years ago where we encountered this, but it was only up there. It didn't, mate, we are encountering like between Jarvis Bay all the way down to the, the new uh, – the border of Victoria, 
we've got most wicked running current that you've ever seen in your life. Like this thing is a raging river and it is flying down the coast. When I mean flying, it is pumping 26 plus degrees in locations. Like I'm, yeah. I'm talking on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. I had 26 degrees yesterday. Yeah. So and that's, yeah. That, that's tropics water. That's ridiculous. It is. Is there any sign of it holding up anywhere and, and providing a bit more of a bite? Well, it, it's, it's, it's so strong that it's making it very difficult for anything to hold in any particular location. So you can't even say like, you know, I talked to all the guys fishing out of Burmy, you know, we're fishing out of Green Cape and, and Eden at the moment. Um got guys up in Batemans Bay, it's roaring all the way down. There's something starting to happen off Jarvis Bay and Batemans Bay and then we got a big push of water, which we call an eddy for those people that know what an eddy is. Other than that, whoever doesn't know, it is an opposing um, circular current that comes in and deflects some of these EAC, East Australian currents that come down and, and, and re-divert them. It doesn't stop them, but it diverts them. You can divert them out to sea. And we've got that possibly starting to happen up north, if, and we really need it to happen right now because the current's running that hard. Yep. It's like almost impossible to fish it. Bait's not holding up in any location for any period of time, thus not allowing the marlin to, to home in on them and somewhere where you can say, hey, let, well, let's go to Batemans Bay or let's go to Jarvis Bay or let's go to Burmy and, and, and you're going to get a couple of weeks of fishing. You just, it's not, you know, the fishing in the last three days has been very poor right along the coast. Yep. Yeah, right. So with that hot, fast current, is it possible we're going to see a few more of these tropical species, the, more of the blue marlin? Maybe yellowfin, maybe something crazy like wahoo or something. I got bitten off by a wahoo yesterday. There you um, go. Wow. That was off Eden. Um, came through and just left me with a head of a bait. Um, yellowfin have already turned up. So um, Krusty from Bermagui had hunter charters there. We talked to each other a lot. He was out a little bit wider over the edge in that 500 to 1,000, not too far from the shelf. He had yellowfin jumping around everywhere. They couldn't get away from him at one stage. They were jelly bean size. Yep. Admittedly, they were sort of, I think that's 15 or 20 kilo. But, yeah, he had to drive away from him. He goes, he had them busting up everywhere. Um, yep. There's been caught down in Eden. And, yeah, like you said, there's been the occasional wahoo. There's been wahoo caught in Sydney. There's been a couple down at JB. So, yeah, interesting times. Very interesting. Um well, oh, the other thing I was going to ask you about, Richie, I think I saw you were out of uh, Malakuta the other week and um, had some clients on the on the boat spearing marlin. What was that experience like? Um, I've had these clients before yep. and they're crazy spearers. They're super keen. They don't want to catch them on a the rod. They just want to catch them on, on, on spear. And, look, the way the water was moving down that particular couple of days, to me it looked like Malakuta could could explode and, and be a very good option. Um, sadly, that wasn't the case. When I went out straight out of the front of Malakuta, that water was a fair bit cooler than I expected. And although it looked still pretty good, there was very little to no fish in it. There was bait. It looked, looked the goods, but there, I just wasn't marking any fish. We fished it for quite some time. 
And then I decided to press north and get sort of to the bottom end of that hot water and we found that and then we started raising fish immediately. And, um, yeah, we had a couple of couple of uh, opportunities at fish. These guys are sort of – so to explain it for you, a lot of guys associate spearfishing for marlin with just bait ball fishing. So if you don't find a bait ball sort of that you can jump in on, like the tuna, so to speak – um, you're really driving around aimlessly. But what we do, we uh, we we get marlin, we tease them up, so we fish effectively fish exactly the same way we fish with this um, conventional gear, except we don't run hooks. Yep, yep. So none of, none of our baits in the water have hooks, and we basically tease the marlin up. We keep our baits a bit shorter, so we see the fish coming up, and we crank those baits back to the boat, effectively bringing the marlin to the boat and to the dive. The diver is already suited up. Everything's sort of loaded and ready to go, and they jump in the water and stalk that marlin. That's swimming and charging at our baits and trying to get a clean shot at it. That's it. That's pretty much how it happens. Yeah, it's pretty exciting fishing. Certainly something different for you, and sounds like um, sounds like a bloody hard challenge to be honest. Like it's uh, really man versus beast when uh, you know they marlin has a spear, diver has a spear. Who's going to come off best? You know what I mean. <laughs> And, and, uh, oh, don't worry. I had the guy last year, and if you follow my um, my Instagram uh, account on on Dreamcatcher, you would have seen I posted a, a, a reel up where one of these two guys that I had the other day shot a marlin last year and went to get it like the marlin had more or less looked like it was it was done, and he's grabbed a bite of bill to swim it to the boat, and this thing's woken up, and it's taken him on a, like a, basically a sea world joyride on the back of this marlin. It was hysterical. <laughs> I think I did say that one. Um, absolutely crazy. I put, I put a bit of uh, put a bit of fun music to it, you know, <laughs> they pack it up, pack it up, like, uh, and yeah, look, it, it could have gone nasty for him, to be honest. I mean, we're laughing about it now. He hung on to this thing and this thing took him for a ride. It smashed him into the side of the boat and then he, he didn't let go. And he, he literally, because the guy's quite light, he literally launched him out of the water and, and took him for a joyride yeah. before the, the mowers boat up a bit and we could get over to it. Like, he didn't let it go. And I pre- probably that was a – it could have been a good or a bad thing, but <laughs> at least it could not turn on him. Yeah, but, um, yep. Exactly right. But they do go out on a limb when they go out in that water, you know. We see all sorts of sharks and, you know, they're, they're crazy. They'll jump in on any bait ball, you know, could have loads and loads of bronzies on it. Yeah. They don't care to, if they, they're just looking for that ball and they'll swim around them. So you've got to give it to them in that regard. But, they, you know, it's, it's, de- it's definitely – sorry. Do they have to sign a waiver saying they may not come home with all their limbs before they get yeah, on the boat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, yeah. When they when they do once they leave the boat they they leave they leave the boat at their own risk. Yeah, I, I can think of one time when Dave had his arm absolutely slammed repeatedly against the side of a boat. <laughs> do you remember that one, Dave? Yeah, a uh, very energetic black marlin, and um, yeah, sometimes you are just smarter to let go of them. But if you can, if you're stubborn like I was on that occasion, they'll definitely uh, play up. And yeah, I had a nice big bruise on the arm, but certainly nothing like riding one around the ocean, Joe. That's for sure. <laughs> Now, Richard, those, we, those, sorry, go. Ah, oh, that's all right. Um, I was just going to say we don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, if we can get a quick swordfish season prediction because that's coming up quickly, how do you think that's going to pan out for us this year? Um, if I had to predict how our swordfish season is going to go, I'd say we're going to have a pretty good one. 
Um, I'm hoping, and there's a lot of hope involved in that comment. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a good one because I've got quite a few clients really eager and waiting to get connected to to one. And, and there has been several hooked and landed in Tasmania already. And for all intensive purposes, our swordfish season has already begun. They're here. They're, yep. they're here, right? Um, we're just not getting that weather that we can fish for them effectively. Like, you know, that settled, that settled weather for days and days is not forthcoming at the moment, um, even up the East Coast. While I'm on the subject of weather, Dave, I, I need to, like, if, if you guys are listening – Anyone fishing in this current now, I was fortunate or unfortunate to have friends of mine roll a boat um, not more than a week ago out there, and wow. it was pretty ugly. And they got rescued, and they're fine, um, and the best possible outcome came out of that. But I think one thing everybody needs to sort of take into into some sort of thought process when they're going up at the moment is – what we're dealing with on the East Coast right now, probably a lot of boats have not encountered yet, and that's this this current is doing something like five to six knots. Yep. And as soon as it, as soon as it gets any kind of southerly breeze against it, it's doubling whatever it will be. Yep. Um, you know, what you normally fish in, your normal 25-knot day, and you, know, you say it's a shitty day and we got smashed around, but we still caught a few fish could end up being twice the size of what you anticipated or what you've ever experienced before with the same forecast. So I think if, if anyone's listening to this, guys, just be really mindful for those southerly winds that are that are pushing because they're smashing straight into that current. They're making everything stand up pretty damn ugly. Um, I, was, yeah, I was caught out in it the other day and, look, you know, my boat's a bit more suited to it and I'm still sort of, really weary about the, that day we were, we were out now. We caught probably a 30-knot southwesterly and it was ugly. It was as ugly as you could possibly hope to Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it, Richie? I went up uh, to, to Naruma uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, we got to only fish one out of three days, unfortunately, but it was uh, blowing from the <laughs> south and it was uh, it was very, very calm um, it, in, in the land and quite close in, but... Um, as soon as you get out past the cover of the land, um, absolutely right. You you feel that wind. Yeah, and and look, I, I think this season, above all other seasons, I've, I've never experienced that current down this far going that hard. And um, I was just talking to Aaron Hackwood to, today earlier on um, driving down because he's fishing down there and he was fishing out off the fad of Naruma. He sent me a little video of it. And you, you had to see this thing. It was leaning over on a 45-degree angle and it looked like the rapids, you know, it was the water was right. And that thing's not even out on the shelf. It's not even in the heart of that current. It was on the edge of it. It's, it's you know, it's about halfway between the shelf and the mainland. And, mate, when you see that and then you look at, you know, any sort of opposing breeze that's going to make it do some nasty things. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's really wise words from a seasoned skipper. And, um, well, I guess... We won't be going up the coast, Joey. <laughs> There's no fish and uh, it's uh, dangerous. So we'll, we'll be pottering around on the local tuna and kingfish, I think. That's all right. You'll get your weddings and whatnot out of the way and, um, yeah, we'll make a plan soon. <laughs> well, if it's any indication, I cancel tomorrow. I had charters and clients booked for tomorrow and Friday, which we're going to fish quite, you know, good days to fish as best as you could and, um, you know, <laughs> as good as you could. 
and um, you know I've sort of put them off until later next week, hoping that things will slow up a little bit with this current, and and we can sort of get ascertain a little bit of a better location in regards to where we're going to sort of start and and keep fishing. Up until now, it's been fantastic. We've had some crazy days on the water, you know, and 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 it's been unreal. And if you follow my page, you would have seen some of the footage I put up. Mm. But just in just in the last week, it has definitely slowed up. Yeah. Well, that's uh, really helpful, Richie, because sometimes telling people when not to go is even more helpful than telling them when to go because, um, you know, you, you conserve your resources and, and you go at the right time. You don't end up uh, going up there and, and wasting all your money and, and time off. So, um, no, that's a really helpful report. Um, thanks so much for stopping by and jumping on the podcast again. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to get you back on again down the track. You're a gentleman and we thank you. No worries, Dave. Enjoy, guys. I'm going to head out and uh, go out for some lunch and dinner tonight. Not lunch, dinner <laughs> with the lovely. So you guys have a good time. Awesome, we'll chat later. Awesome, mate. Good on you. Have Thanks a good evening. Time. See you, buddy. Well, that was that was uh, an interesting chat, Joe. Uh, not really the response I expected, um, but, you know, that's very helpful to a lot of people. I've had a few questions about whether I'll – you know how the marlin fishing is going and you know how it is. Social media kind of always makes it look good. But I had no idea that there was um, death currents. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why the, the beauty of having a, a live show like this, um, you know, we're able to speak to uh, fishing experts that actually have their pulse on what's happening uh, right now. Um, you know, it's been a few weeks since we've been live, but, you know, Dave and I have been messaging up each other and and ringing and the marlin fishing has been sensational we're just dying absolutely to be a, a part of it so there we go I'm, I'm i'm grateful we're able to get a proper marlin update right now live and share it with uh all 33 people in the chat at the minute well we were supposed to go last weekend joe and we were so desperate we were considering going in you know almost anywhere though to the point where it you know we would have it was borderline but we had a good look at it and we thought it's just not going to be any fun. So, you know, we, we stuck local and um, we, uh, you know, we'll reassess. We'll go out down the track again and um, when there's calm weather and the fish are biting. So there's something in that. Well, everyone. based off what Richie said, I think we've, we've still got, a, you know, at least another six to eight weeks of marlin before it really stops. What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. They go, they go into April quite often. Um, it's just that... You know, people start targeting stuff like kingfish and and uh, the big tuna and stuff start start happening. Um, you know, that's not too far off either. Like, you know, I think they started to really become prolific. Maybe I think there was captures late March. Yeah. Last year. Wow. That's you know a few weeks away. So once again, there's just options galore um, if you're into sports fishing in, in the state. Now, thanks so much, everyone who's on the live feed at the moment. Um, wild chickens actually chucked a bit of coin across on the live chat, which we appreciate so so much. Yeah, um, it means so a lot. Thanks for that, mate. Uh, there's a few questions on your fish in the background there. Um, might have to have some sort of competition about um, naming Joey's fish. Um, apparently, they're supposed to be breeding in there. Is that right, Joe? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Look, uh, as you can see, that they're getting quite large and. Um, 
you know, there, there's quite a heavy amount of males to, to the females and if there's sort of too much, too many males and too much aggression and not enough space, well, the, the, the fish won't breed. So, um, yeah, they're, they're a beautiful cichlid. They're from Lake Tanganyika. They're called uh, Petrochromus um, and the collection point is, is it's, red, it's a red bulu Petrochromus and, yeah, they're mouth brooders and, yeah, the plan is I've got an eight-foot aquarium in the other room and what we're going to do is we're going to put um, at the moment there's, there's six males to six females, so it's even Stevens. But what we'll do is we're going to um, put three males in uh. with six females, and we're going to give them more room, and let's hopefully that gets them in the mood to produce. So that's the story with the fish. <laughs> All of those. Shane wondering. thinks that you might be in the mood, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> you appear to be melting. I got rid of the the, um, the 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 sexy music on the on, on the pod. Yeah, well, I'm going to go a bit um, un, unusual here and um, award those fish King Kong Donkey Kong Catch of the Week, Joey. You know that? You reckon? Yeah, I reckon we give her a bell because we've got a new uh, we've got a new uh, sample. Yeah, here, here it goes. King Kong Donkey Kong match. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a jolly sherpa uh, uh <laughs> suraj mate, I just we love him to bits he's got to be one of the most happiest dudes on the planet uh suraj um from nepal and he's an unbelievably keen fisherman um legend casting off the rocks and he catches lots of great fish so yeah i reckon we should get suraj back back on um at some point Definitely. You know, it was very funny. I actually called him before the show to try and get him to do a live King Kong Donkey Kong sound patch for us. And he goes, no, mate, it won't be the same. It has to be in the moment. So he's like, oh, so he sent me a video from him catching Snapper on the rocks and we've extracted that live excitement straight out of that video. So if that's what you've heard when you've heard that sound patch going off. We've captured the essence. We've captured Suraj in a bottle and we've just let him out for everybody. How's <laughs> about that? That's exactly right. Now, I know we normally do catch of the week with a, um, you know, a catch. Yeah. But I feel um, like you've captured those fish's hearts. And yeah. And, and, and we are going to rebuild. We, we'll, we'll, we'll get some of the tech stuff happening. But, yeah, once again, appreciate all your patience and that you've stuck with us um, uh, through, the, through the journey tonight. Um, we're rebuilding, but it's just, it's really good to be back and um, share all things fishing with everyone. Yeah, mate. No, we could have um, probably held off a bit longer and got a bit more organised, but you know what? It was time to get wind against tide back on the airways and uh, into people's ear holes uh, where it belongs. Absolutely. Now, we've got one more caller, one more person to call. Oh, I'm excited. So we're going to give Simon Webster, who people may know, as our East Gippsland correspondent, um, he's going to tell us all about what's happening down there. And here he is, Simon. Hey, boys. How you doing? Hey, mate. How are you? You're going well. Welcome back. How's our first attempt going? We're we going all right? We feel like we're uh, back we're at day one. Loud <laughs> loud and clear, boys. Hey, Joey, how you doing? Webby, how are you, mate? Good to, good to hear you. Going well. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you back. <laughs> now, people will be used to your beautifully written reports from Lake Centrance, uh, Cape Conran and um, Lake Tyres sort of region. And we thought, you know what, we're bringing the show back after a bit of a break. How can we improve it? Let's get the man himself on. What is happening <laughs> with fishing in your neck of the woods, Simon? 
Well, um, yeah, I was listening to uh, listening to Will a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing. Certainly, the the um, South Gippy fishing's been firing. I know Lakes Entrance Snapper in the last few weeks have probably been a bit tough. Um, even the local um, charter boats have been struggling a little bit, just a bit hit and miss, uh, and we haven't really had a lot of great weather to get out. So. That sort of uh, sort of limited things uh, off lakes specifically. Um, I know that the local um, local estuary river stuff's starting to fire up. I know uh, Mitchell River uh, has been fishing well for EPs up the river past the highway bridge. Um, plastics and structure that's been going pretty well. We've been I've taken my son out doing that, so that's been been pretty reliable. Um, nothing huge, but just good good fun. Um, Bem River's been good. Uh, just had my brother up there for a week and caught a lot of great brim at Bem. Uh, EP's firing up the river at Bem, so and live prawn in the lake. Live prawn in the lake. So um, yeah, getting a lot of anglers fishing with those in the structure up the river. So I love the sound of prawns. Webby, have you been out on the yeah. prawns? Uh, no, I haven't been, but yeah, certainly the lakes slash lake tyres prawn game at the moment is pretty good. They're quite large and would uh, really work well with the seafood sauce. The is, the BEM models have been a little bit smaller, but yeah. Yeah, right. Is there um, is there hushed tones uh, echoing around East Gippsland there, tales of uh, my giant flathead I caught there up around Australia Day weekend? I was at Marlow camping and caught probably the world's largest flathead there while down with the family. I just wondered if that was still making waves in fishing circles well yeah well people people did notice that the uh that the lake dropped a foot when you pulled that fish out of it so. <laughs> yeah no oh, doubt this goes to show this goes to show you know if you can you know just travel on foot and wade in it's amazing how many or well, the evidence was there they're, they're there you could see it for all yeah, everybody well, looking at it all you have to do is abandon the screaming children who are splashing around in the water further down the beach and just walk yeah. off and, um, you know, it takes sometimes only a, about half an hour of abandoning them and you can come up with captures like that. But one thing I did yeah. notice is I, I got really into it after that and went back uh, at at night thinking I was very clever, but there was uh, prawns everywhere through the shallows yep. there. So very, yeah. very healthy system. But would you think that that's probably not conducive? Well, it's funny that I was speaking to... Um, a really, really keen, hardcore fisher that fishes tyres at the moment, and he's been saying that the big flathead have been really, really slow on the bite, and he's put it down to the fact that we've got the prawns in at the moment, and they're probably gorging themselves on prawns, and they're just being really lazy. Yeah. Um, so they've been a lot harder to get probably right now. Um, the you probably got more chance of a really big flathead out of lakes than you do at tyres right at this second. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean things have been firing. Obviously, to some effect, the um, you know obviously the decrease with the pro fishings certainly helped lakes. There's no doubt about it. Um, so looking forward to big, big flathead years ahead at lakes, no doubt. So yeah, awesome. Um, now we we're going to quickly touch. Um, you're a massive hunting advocate. Me and Joey admittedly know nothing about hunting, but you were saying to me um, recently there is um, quite some large. Uh, issues in the sport of um, duck hunting specifically at the moment and um, I think you're quite uh, on the forefront of trying to um, uh, represent duck hunters. So do you want to fill us in a little bit about what's going on there? 
Yeah, like I've I've grown up, you know, um, I've grown up as a hunter fisherman my entire life. I've done a lot of both. Um, you know, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of friends that both hunt and fish. Uh, pretty hardcore on both. It's kind of been a a common uh, alignment between the hunter gatherer type in, within us. You know, we're all hunting for the table, etc. And um, there's certainly been some really concerning signs out of the state government this last week. Last week, the um, Victorian duck season, after a very long, drawn-out process, the government came out and announced a very um, surprising, heavily reduced uh, opportunity, season length, bag limits heavily reduced. Um, and, you know, speaking from my own personal opinion, um, it very much appears at this stage that um, it's been a case of the government pandering to um, uh, a new upper house that includes a heap of green members, Animal Justice Party, all the ones that hate wreck fishing as well, um, really strong arming the government to, um, you know, throw us in the bin. Essentially, they've announced an inquiry um, into the continuation of native game bird hunting in Victoria. Um, and anybody that knows this government knows how inquiries have worked out in the past. So I'm not confident exactly what the result will that, of that will be, but we hope it's hope it's positive. All the evidence is extremely positive. And the frustrating thing is that the government's, government's employed the Game Management Authority to do all the science, which they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars doing. And they've got the Game Management Authority's got some great people involved that have poured their life's work into this to make sure everything's sustainable and all the evidence says that it is and all the bird surveys say that it is and we're experiencing a one in 50 year boom year because we've had three La Niñas in a row and things look positive and yet a ministerial decision in my view has tipped it all ass over last week and um, is, is threatening the future of the ongoing um, bird seasons that we've enjoyed for generations. You know, I'm a, I'm a hunter. I invest enormous amounts of time in, conservation um i put far more ducks back than i take out in the hunting season through nest boxes and stuff yep yep and it's really really upsetting yeah yeah i'll bet it is and i I can certainly see um from your perspective because we are closely intertwined fishermen and hunters i guess we are all hunters um and it is there's sometimes the perspective from the average joe is that we're just you know we're, we're pillaging oceans and wetlands but it couldn't as you just said it couldn't be further from the truth we're the ones that are um, participating in you know regenerating these areas and protecting the species that um, we're interacting with um you know yeah. whether it be through the habitat restoration you just spoke of or you know i know fish as fishers we're constantly pulling rubbish and crap out of the water and trying to look after but the system. balloons offshore yeah we picked exactly. up a balloon the other day <laughs> <laughs> Much to the delight of your son. <laughs> we did. We recycled a floating balloon and took it home and uh, gave it to my little boy and, geez, he was excited. Yeah. So, you know, that's recycling at its best, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think, I think if anything, you know, I wanted, you know, wanted to mention to take away from tonight is that, you know, fishermen and hunters need to have each other's backs with what's happening, not just in Victoria, but on a broader scale across the globe at the moment, we've got people these left-wing ideologies coming at us left, right and centre. And unfortunately, governments, uh, an example of Victoria, we've got a large number of politicians now in the upper house that are throwing that mantra around. And if we don't have each other's backs, we're all going to suffer. And for what's happening with um, native game bird hunting, 
Um, I see it as a threat on the future of all recreational firearm um, recreations in Victoria, essentially, because you need a genuine reason to own a firearm. And hunting game during game seasons is one that we all rely on. Now, if we don't have game seasons to hunt game, you know, one would argue that there's no reason to own a firearm. So we need to have each other's back. If there's ever ever a cause where I've got we've got an ideologically animal activist type organisation targeting hunting, we need to all jump on it and smash it because if we don't, they'll run over the top of us. And 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 Dave, just on one point and I don't know where it's at at the moment, we'd be due for a recreational fishing ban or sports fishing ban in Colombia to take effect any day now. I don't know where that's at, but there's an example of one country that's just thrown fishing under the bus. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, we covered that back when it um, when it broke the news, but yeah, like you said, we haven't really heard an update, so uh, we might look into that yeah. one and um, discuss it again next week. But So what can people do to, to help out? Just Look, I know... I know right now it's it's early days in the aftermath of what transpired on Friday when the, the government supplied the Herald Sun and the Age the press release uh, before they supplied anybody else the information. We're digesting that. Clearly, it's not it's not good news. It's not what the science supported. It's not what the government department supported. But we're essentially at the moment in the midst of building a war chest to fight this. We're going to have international animal rights groups coming at Victorian hunters left, right and centre in the next three or four months before this inquiry is due to hand down a finding in the end of August. And we're building a war chest. So Field and Game Australia, who are the preeminent waterfowling body that represents duck hunting in this state, they've established a fighting fund, which you can make $5 donations, $10, whatever you want. But I didn't really encourage anybody, and I know there's a lot of hunters that are on, you know, the rec fish shows that listen to the show. Um, if you haven't seen it, get across it. You know, it's it's all up for grabs at the moment, and you know the people representing us need to get the best advice from the best legal counsel and the best strategists out there to navigate this, so that we can come out the other side and continue to hunt like we've been for generations. So I'd encourage anybody to go to fieldandgameaustralia.com.au. And if you can help financially with a donation or a pledge, you know we need to arm up because they're going to these activist groups are going to roll out the tanks to come after us before August. So you might I don't know whether you saw it, but you might have noticed a couple of weeks ago there was a full page ad in the Herald Sun um, attacking duck hunting. Um, you know it's an eighty or hundred thousand dollar one off ad sponsored yeah. by sponsored by. It's funny you've got the RSPCA Victoria who are government funded yet they're championing the animal rights movement against a government-sponsored activity. It's just bizarre yes. um, what's happening, you know. So, um, yeah, we need all the help we can get, and I think we've got to bring everything together. You know, we've all got a common – we mightn't all get along every day on every issue, but we ha- all have a common enemy in the animal rights movement, and we need to protect wreck fishing. Here, here. <laughs> well said. Yeah. And that's that's my message to everyone. Thanks, Simon. That's uh, very well said. And, yes, it is pretty concerning and hopefully, um, yeah, fishermen and hunters can make a bit of a stand and set the precedent because, um, yeah, these things need to be decided on pure cold hard facts and figures and uh, it seems like they are not being at the moment. So watch this space. Well, it's just um, lots of good people are working on this, um, lots of volunteers working on this and, you know, we've got a broad network of people we've got over two hundred and fifty thousand firearm owners in victoria um 
and they need to get vocal and get active because this this could have tentacles that go for miles and that's the reality of it i'm not trying to scaremonger anybody that's the reality of what's yep this thing's got the potential if it gets legs so yeah thanks very much simon what's your next fishing trip going to be well, you know, I was listening to Will there. I suppose the big question on everybody's lips down in Gippsland, are we going to get a barrel run? Oh, I, you know what? I, I would have put money on it that when we were getting those big bluefin come past our doorstep at Westernport, they were coming past that neck of the woods too. So I think it just needs some uh, boats on the water and um, that fishery yeah. will be exposed. It's an incredible it's an incredible fishery down there for sure. Like, you know, I've been down there, done a couple of trips with my son and, and it's terrific. And Will's a fantastic contact in Trialgan, really helpful guy. Got a great shop. I try and support Will. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing, amazing bit of water, a little bit quieter for boats, you know, most days than uh, out of the east entrance. But it's, um, it's uh, yeah, amazing fishery and, and pretty lucky to have it, you know. We're, we're going to enjoy it while it's there for sure. Well, if you and, get a good enough uh, bite down there to uh, draw the attention of the whole of Melbourne, you'll soon feel our wrath. Don't you worry about that. There'll be <laughs> okay. there'll be boat wakes everywhere. <laughs> it won't be it won't be quite for long. <laughs> and and I'll put the the barrelman himself on the spot right now, um, Davey. Like, do you think that there might be barrels out a little bit deeper than all these schoolfish are sort of been in that sort of twenty to forty meters? Do you think they're maybe punching out a bit wider? There might be some uh, barrels. Oh, Joe, I think they've probably there's there's got to be some bigger fish just mixed in with the smaller ones. I mean, they're the baits in where the small fish are. So I think that if there is some bigger ones in the area, that's where they're going to probably be as well. And um, I think oh, have we recorded since? I think we have. But uh, our mate Sash did pull that one big hundred and something kilo fish amongst the the school fish off the windmills down there off Wontaggy uh, around New Year's. I think it was New Year's but, Eve, wasn't it? Was, it? No, it was, uh, Jan- it was January 1st, New Year's Day. Yeah, that's right. There's been a few. Unbelievable. And there's been whispers of similar large fish interactions. So I, I d- they're definitely there. How are you going to get them to grab a lure before those little whippersnappers that are around at the moment? That's probably one issue. And, um, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely some big ones in there, Joe, I reckon. Awesome. Well, Simon, we're going to let you go. Thank you very much for your time and um, we'll make this a regular thing if you've got time to do it. Any Anytime, fellas. Keep up the good work. Good to talk. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Have a mate. good night. There you go, Simon Webby. He's got a fantastic boat too. He does. <laughs> he was gracious enough to take me and you out on his boat and um, had a whole TV screen in there that we were yeah. We were watching the um, depth sounder on, which I thought was quite impressive. Yeah, we could have had Netflix going and <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> but, yeah, really nice guy. And we appreciate all the guys that came on and had a chat to us tonight. Um, that duck hunting thing does grind my gears. And then we had that audio. It sounds pretty serious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, like, uh, I was, like I was saying, it doesn't directly affect us at the moment, but down the track it probably will. Lots of guys jumping on the live feed still. Hello, everyone. Rob Cartledge, g'day, mate. Anthony, hello. Uh, we, he's saying we need to find the relevant upper house members that will form a voting block. Um, I Kind of the immature part of me when we were talking about that was wanted to reference the fact that all these duck hunters have guns and <laughs> <laughs> and developing a war chest could be taken the wrong way. <laughs> I know they're all very responsible. Um, the Caps, g'day, mate. You fish TV, Brendan, you're back. Welcome back, sir. 
the cap saying three hundred and sixty-five million was generated last year alone through hunting and maybe fishing. Not sure. Uh, all the info is on Field and Game website, so definitely worth jumping on there and having a bit of a read, Joey. Um, and Davey, you've, um, you're working on a new uh, video for the Wind Against Tide channel uh, this week. Um, when do you think, what's it about and uh, when do you think it's uh, going to be due to drop? Well, it's a, we did discuss it a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, like we mentioned when Richie was on the phone, man, you were supposed to go marlin fishing. Mm-hmm. We had to pull the pin and we went, you know, what? Else, like how can you say no to casting top water lures at these really nice size bluefin out in Bass Strait? We, we were tempted to change the plan We're like because we had a quite a good session two weeks before that on the top water tuna. We were almost going to retreat inside Western Port and have our try a hand at Kings, but we just we just couldn't resist. Yeah, that's right. And you towed me up a bit there, Joey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we charged out there. And I think you had one fish on the deck within about two seconds of stopping. And then um, throughout the day, you continued to uh, catch, I don't know, you must have caught about five fish to my one. Yeah. Um, well, um, it was an interesting conversation that uh, I was casting um, a 130-millimeter pop queen, um, which... Incidentally, two weeks before, I was using that 130 mil lure and I was sort of having trouble. Um, I was pulling it too hard across the water and making it tumble and I was really having trouble getting my head around it because we had rods mixed up with bigger poppers and heavier sticks. And, um, you know, when you're popping top water for, for fish, you, you really have to be in tune with your strength and, and how you work the lure and, you know, making sure it's having that nice popping action. And for some reason, when I was using that lighter lure two weeks ago, um, it took me a little bit um, to to use it confidently. But uh, when I went out with Dave last Friday, I, you know, committed to using that lure that I'd started using the time before, which the time before we were getting the fish on the, the bigger poppers, the, the 160 millimetres, and um, they were absolutely getting crunched. But um, I stuck with the 130 and... This time, just past the the one thirty millimeter popper, seemed to be uh, doing a little bit better than the one sixty mil popper. And you know, we're looking at the depth sounder as well, and uh, the bait was uh, scattered, and you know, we could actually see remnants of, um, of of pilchards that had been attacked and just just drifting through the water. It was almost like a a miniature kill slick. So that was um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, well, quite funny is that you actually had the only one of those lures left. We had left. We Last week you guys had lost the, the bigger ones and um, just had noticed that no one replaced them, by the way, so thanks, guys. Oh, no, um, I, re- I replaced them but not but, with the same things. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I still, I'll keep an eye out for those. <laughs> yeah. Um, you oh, had I, the only one of the pop queens left and that was um, absolutely I, hot to trot. That's all right, keep talking. Are oh, you doing a live presentation? No, no, we just keep talking. But quite uh, funnily, I'm now talking to myself in the room. Now, I'm talking to all you guys. Hello, everyone. Joe's just abandoned me. Uh, Mitch Chapman, who, um, as we mentioned earlier, sells or is a rep for uh, Pop Queen, uh, Mariah is the brand. He did a water delivery to me and loaded me up with some freshies. Replaced. Uh, thanks, Joey. It's a real like for likeness. <laughs> so. Joey's replaced by uh, quality Japanese. I think they are poppers with some uh, eBay specials. Yeah, look, look you know, uh, I've, but I've, I've now I've 
experienced uh, the the Mariah Pop Queen, and I, I really enjoy them. But when I um, when I busted off uh, Paul Will's um, Lua, which um, he really he really enjoyed, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I quickly I quickly got my friend to replace it, and he said, "Oh, I can I've got them from the um, the, the cheapy bin at BCF." But yeah, there you go. But there yeah. you go. I, I replaced your Lua, Dave. I thought you'd get a bit of a laugh out of that. Yes, I'm sure. Look. There's no doubt that'll work, Joey, but um, yeah, good of Mitch to load us back up on the water and put me back in the game and then I was back into the fish. No, definitely, definitely enjoyed um, those poppers, enjoyed the paint, I enjoyed the cup face, um, I enjoyed working them after I finally got my head around <laughs> how, to, how to work how to work it uh, very good. But yeah, every popper's going to behave differently depending how you tug it along. That's good, old boy. Now we put out uh, the question question the call for questions that we do every time we record and we were answered in the in their thousands people people rushed to their phones and and shot a few questions at us um, in their droves in their droves That's we'll get it. we'll get the theme music happening back for the question segment but for the moment we're hit just gonna hit me with the questions yeah yeah why don't you hit me with your questions Sorry, everyone. Oh, I got the bass next door. I've actually got instruments here. Oh, man, we could have done live. Oh. Uh, do you, oh, we were in such a rush, Dre. No, we that's really... right. I keep talking. I can probably, I can probably twang out the on the bass. This is... Okay, I'm scared. This is some real improv action. Um, now, I'm going to go through a few of the questions that were sent in uh, because I'm sure that everyone has hung around long enough. And this is a lovely way to wrap up the show. So HPT Excavations has said, good to see you back, boys. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, a few people want to hear about Marlin. Uh, Wild Chicken wants to hear about Adrian's boat. Well, you'll have to follow that one on Adrian's channel now. Um, oh, we can give you an update as well, I guess. Uh, Joe's love life update. <laughs> people want to know, Joey. What's happening? Oh, that's that's a story for another day. But we'll we'll just we'll just kick off the the, the question se- segment. Um, oh, right. You'd have to pay a lot of money for this normally. You gonna sing? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Might get some proper bass organised for next time. But there you go. That was cool, man. Yeah, cool. I didn't know you actually knew how to play. Oh, a double. That's what can I say? I just thought it was all pretend. Yeah. Um, we're going through the questions, Joe. What do we got? Well, I've gone through them. a few already, but Jacob Snapper he wants to know how's the love life. I'm in. I'm in the love shack now. I'm, oh look, I'm, um, I'm scared. We'll. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm just keeping my options open at the minute, uh, Jacob. <laughs> if when there's a significant update, brother, you're going to be the first to know on this show. Don't worry. And there's a reality show that takes his liking. Actually, all right, no, okay. He's twist. You've twisted my arm. You've, you've twisted my arm. I'm gonna share with you um, a story that I, I heard <laughs> from. Um, don't have a guitar stand. I had an interesting story this week. Um, so, as I've gone out on a couple of dates with a, a Jewish girl, which um, look, I grew up in the outer southeast suburbs of um, Melbourne, and it was very, very multicultural. Um, but but I'd never got, um, dated a Jewish girl before, and um, look, she's just uh, recently uh, divorced. Um, I don't know if I should go into this, but um, no, I'm a bit worried. No, I'm a bit worried about it. 
We'll um, we might save that story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I've dipped my toe in the water, but uh, yeah, that's probably an off-air conversation. <laughs> no, there's nothing nothing bad that happened, but yeah, I th- I think we'll just leave that one right alone. <laughs> I don't even know where that was going, but it sounded We're really dangerous. flown off on a tangent. <laughs> Went out with a lovely Jewish Jewish girl. Yeah, let's so just that. let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> what was that about? Uh, I, was, I was trying to do, see if there was a way to make this not <laughs> just kind of make this really politically correct, but no, the, no there's no way of making you know what this story is. But we're as, just going to move right along. As soon as you referenced her um, her faith in the first few words, I thought this is uh, this is concerning. No, nah, we'd leave that alone. Um, moving on from that one. Uh, where are the kings? Uh, the kings, James is fishing his ass that. The kings in the rip have fired big time the last couple of days. Uh, charter boats have been whacking good fish. Uh, good mates, uh, Jace and uh, Pete Ryan. And it went good today too, didn't it? Yes, that's right. They, all the boys were on a, uh, like I said earlier, a bit of a, oh, I'm not sure I can talk about this yet. I haven't had the all clear. But anyway, they were on a research kingfishing trip in the rip today and they got some lovely fish up to 108 centimetres. So um, rip's going good. Man, I'm hanging to catch a kingfish, Davey. When are we going to go kingfish fishing? Far out. We get getting tuna distracted. Yeah. How about we'll put an effort in next time we go out, Joey, you can take me out in your boat. Yeah. So, yeah, the rip kings, um, there's still been the odd one in Western Port, I'm told. Uh, A lot harder than it was, but still the odd one in there. Yep. And uh, all the offshore areas still producing. A uh, few people want to hear about Marlin and we gave you the Marlin update of a lifetime earlier. So, oh, yeah. Uh, probably wasn't what you wanted to hear. but <laughs> Yeah, stay at home, wait for the weather and the current to calm down and then go. Pat O'Meara wants to say plate versus fiberglass boats. Ah, the age-old argument. That is quite the talking point. I've actually been discussing this of late with... Servicing and uh, servicing prices and uh, and fuel, and that makes a lot of sense. That um, well, I'm starting to feel that it makes a lot of sense to maybe run a smaller plate boat. Um, cheaper to run, cheaper to service. You can still access some pretty uh, far and wide places, but you can also throw them in off the beach and stuff like that, and uh, into the rivers, and give you a wide range of fishing. So in that aspect, they're awesome, but um. Glass is class. What can I say? Big glass boat in the rough. There's nothing quite like that. Oh, I love I love my glass boats. I really really enjoy the ride. And um, the thing I love about glass boats is, look, when it is rough and you want to get in, uh, you can actually go quicker and not be bashed around. And you're getting quick in rough weather. That's the thing that I love the most about glass boats. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Now, uh, where have we been? Well, we had a bit of a break, but we're back now and we're going to be trying to get on air as much as we possibly can. Joey's a a man in demand, so he's going to try for most weeks. And um, like I said, I might need to get some of you guys to chop me out and um, jump on the pod with me. So exciting times ahead for us, I think. Look, it's it's in my house, so I'm going to say... 90% 90% of the time I'm going to be here, but Dave's got the key <laughs> if he ever needs to access here. <laughs> I don't, but I can break a window. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, your chap wants to know about redfin fishing and I can update you on that after the weekend, Mitch. I'm going to Eildon 
and um, for a, my brother's bucks weekend, so probably oh. not a lot of fishing to be had. But you're gonna do the damn wall again, Dave? Might just troll the old damn wall, Joey. That's where all the cold are. <laughs> it's like, it's like, don't you know? Go to the damn wall if you're struggling at Ilden. Like, it just. <laughs> That's right. The damn wall was like, um, like uh, the, the like Cape Shank for kings and tuna. The damn wall is for for cod. It makes to draw a sense. parallel there, Joey. Um, oh, another love life update from Bo Alley, one of your biggest fans. Oh, Bo Alley, good to see you again, brother. I was actually what I thought. I haven't heard from Bo. For a while, and uh, good to have you back on board, mate. Uh, yeah, we, the, the love life update. I've just been, I've been hooked on maths. I've, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's been wonderful uh, viewing pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> I've enjoyed the scandals. Uh, yeah, Dave, no, no. Like I think I've that. said before, I think that could be a separate podcast. Jelly's <laughs> maths reactions. We, we were, we were setting up technical equipment last week, and Dave's like, um. About seven thirty. It's like uh, if you need to go, Joe. I understand. It's like, <laughs> like it's all right, bud. I got I got catch up TV. I got that shit sorted. Oh, I could just see you twitching and shaking, and I thought, oh crap, he's missing his dose of maths, <laughs> of reality quotations, Adam, television. Adam was going to get impaled with chopsticks. <laughs> he was. The Asian lady was going to impale him on chopsticks, <laughs> and and barbecue him and eat him. Uh, I don't know where that's going. But uh, you've offended Look, another race. If you if you know, you know. I'm just going to leave it at that. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds worse than it is. No, just if you know, you know. Right. Okay. Uh, Cam Walker wants to know about swords coming into that time of year. There's been a few caught in Tassie already, a couple of big ones as well. So that's a good sign for uh, fishing ahead. In other words, if they're down there, they're going to be here, provided the current and everything is behaving as it should. Just a matter of getting out there when the weather's good, as Richie said earlier. What do you think about Kings, Joe? I want I mean, swords. I want to catch a king. No, I'm swords. Swords. Did I say kings that whole time? No, you, you said swords, but then you just yeah. said kings. But that's okay. Um, yeah, swords. Man, well, I've been out um, with you and Mark Schulte um, on on the boat trying to chase our swords. We were, we were unlucky, but one of the things that spun me out the most about sword fishing with these fellas is the water's very, very deep. It's anywhere from 500 um, to beyond metres and um, when they drop down their big squid on a brick uh, down to the to, to you know, 300, 400, 500 metres and, and they break it off, um, they've actually got this uh, electric uh, drill. They bring a you know, piece of hardware electric drill with a an attachment that um, locks into the reel handle and they hit the drill on and it winds up the line and that was just um, that was just phenomenal to see. Uh, that, but yeah, I would have loved to have seen something hooked up, but wasn't our day. But Dave did, I think, manage to lose a phone that day, which has <laughs> made it a very expensive trip. Uh, yeah, so I was filming the drill in action and the phone popped out of my hands and went down to the depths. But uh, a memory I'd rather forget that one. <laughs> yeah, potentially we'll be uh, out on the swords this year if the weather and time allows Joey. That's about all the questions. There was a lot about tuna and stuff that we've already covered. So, um, Anything left on the live feed here? I know, sorry guys, we do miss some questions in our frantic question answering, but uh, we try and get to most of them. And if we didn't get it to them this week, just ask us again next week. So I think that'll probably do us for our first show back in a while, Joey. Yeah, it's good to be good to be back, Dave. And thanks again, everyone, for your patience. Um, yeah, we will iron out all these technical um, 
uh, things for next time. We'll get it smoother um, and really, really good and enjoyable for you guys. But, yeah, appreciate your patience. And, uh, yeah, great to be back, Davey. It is great to be back, Joe. Thank you so much to everyone for coming or joining us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time.